You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Podbean, Spotify, Himalaya, Stitcher, whatever your preference is. And if you don't like any of those services, or if you're a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone when you're trying to listen to a show, you can always just ask your smart device like Siri, Alexa, Google Home, play podcast Locked On Vikings, and it'll take you right to the most recent episode. And today is a very exciting episode. This is something I've been teasing for like two weeks uh, that we're going to do the new roster prediction now. I'm going to update the 53-man roster prediction. So as a refresher, the way that I did this last time was I, I did kind of two different versions of the same document. I did the roster tiers, which is the thing that I've been talking about throughout the whole preseason with the you know backup and who's in competitions and who's on the roster bubble, that kind of thing. That's not really a, a 53-man prediction. It's more of a kind of a tracker as to like where people stand throughout certain like parts of the preseason. And I do kind of keep that updating throughout uh, all of the camp and and preseason. And I am kind of due to post another one of those. So maybe one coming soon, but that's not going to be what we do today. Today, we're actually predicting the 53. And so the way that I structured that was having, you know, your starters. And that way I can also kind of have my predictions as to like, who's going to win wide receiver three, who's going to win the second tight end spot, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, as well as backup and rotational roles to make sure that we're differentiating between, you know, backup offensive linemen and guys like Steven Weatherly that will technically be like second teamers but would play in games. And those roles are different and, and who's competing for them, like, you know, requires like different things. And then if you're none of those, if you're not rotational, if you're not an important insurance policy and you're not a starter, then you have to be a special teamer. Otherwise, you're not really worth spending a roster spot on. So that's the fourth uh, kind of category. And then, of course, I will also do a, a practice squad prediction. So let's jump into it. And I want to start with the quarterbacks, which actually brings me to a little bit of news that we have to talk about. Or not really news. I mean, Mike Zimmer was just asked about it, and I found his comments interesting, so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, but essentially, he was asked, like, hey, why aren't you giving... Kyle Sloter, any second team reps. This is something that I advocated for uh, a couple of shows in a row. And his inter- his answer was really interesting because I actually think it's like really useful information. So essentially his answer was that it was a lot of mental stuff that he wasn't checking properly, or that is to say, you know, he wasn't like pre-snap reading the defense and then calling into the right play when appropriate. And he also blamed Kyle Sloter for the delay of game that happened in the Seattle game. If you remember, you may not have been paying attention. I certainly wasn't because I was kind of wrapped up in the play that had happened before. Uh, If you remember the Jeff Bidette end around that ended in that like really bad tackle around the neck on the sideline uh, near the end zone. Everybody was kind of talking about that. And then the Vikings went right out and after that play uh, got a delay of game. And that's really difficult. And Zimmer was like, yeah, he got a delay of game with the play clock in huge numbers, like eight yards in front of him. So that's really bad. And that's something that he has to work on. So a lot of the like mental part of the game. And I found that really interesting because mostly because of like the response to it, honestly, because it's a good point. And it's something that honestly, we probably wouldn't be able to pick out just by watching like games on TV or watching game tape because you never know like what the check is supposed to be or what the read is supposed to be. Uh, Basically, often offensive coordinators will say, okay, you're going to run this play unless they come out with two high safeties or one high safety or, you know, whatever the read happens to be. They come out with two high safeties, you know, yell out blue, blue, and that means that we're going to run 
a backup play that I also have called. That is something that offensive coordinators do very often. We never know when they do that or not. And sometimes quarterbacks will just yell out, you know, oatmeal, oatmeal. And, and just to kind of throw the defense off and make it think like they, you know, need to change their play call or something. I distinctly remember Peyton Manning doing that all the time. And if you screw that process up, or if you like don't check when you're supposed to check, what can end up happening is a play that goes really poorly and it doesn't actually to us watching and trying to analyze it doesn't look like the quarterback's fault if Kyle Sloter takes a horrible sack or maybe then this is I think really common you know he sits back in the pocket for five whole seconds nobody gets open and he takes a coverage sack you know you watch that and you go oh well obviously nobody was open so it's not the quarterback's fault nobody won their route and he just kind of had to take it but if nobody got open because the play call was a play call that loses to the defense's play call you know if you run a play that doesn't have a good answer to cover three and they happen to have cover three and you didn't diagnose it pre-snap and change the play that is kind of the quarterback's fault because you have a backup plan built in for that and he just has to pull the trigger. So it's something that definitely matters and something that absolutely explains why Kyle Slaughter hasn't been getting more reps. And it's also something that like we shouldn't blame ourselves for not picking up because we just don't have that context. We don't know when there's is or isn't supposed to be a check. We don't know when it isn't or isn't is or isn't the right call to check. So the fact that he's like, yeah, Kyle Slaughter has been like struggling with that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's also something that I don't think Mike Zimmer lies about very often. He's not like Rick Spielman at draft time where you'll lie about everything. So I think that it's a, a really like important consideration and it's why I'm going to change what I did. In, in the original roster prediction, I had Kyle Sloter uh, making the backup job. I remember being very like kind of back and forth on it and being very 50-50 and I went, you know what? It would be better if it were Kyle Sloter because that means that he's taken a step forward. So I'm going to be optimistic and let's do it. Kyle Sloter gets the backup job. Yeah, it's not happening, guys. Sean Mannion's going to be the backup quarterback unless Kyle Sloter like develops quite a bit in that area really, really fast. And I think, I mean, he's in his third year in the NFL. I don't think that's happening. I I think the experiment is over and it was worth a shot. He has a lot of physical traits, but if he can't get those simple mental reads down, then he doesn't really make a viable backup quarterback. And then I think that Jake Browning then becomes the new, like, young project. Let's see if we can make something out of him. And Kyle Sloter goes and, like, you know, finds his next chapter elsewhere. Maybe he returns to Denver, where they kind of could have used him a couple years ago. Now, before I get too deep into the rest of the roster, let me quick shout out the sponsor of this podcast, Postmates. You ever been too lazy to go out and get food, but actually really need food because you need it to live and you're hungry? Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver every everything to you. So download the app for iOS or Android for free, browse local restaurants and businesses, and track your delivery in real time. And hey, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. So to start your free deliveries, download the app and use the promo code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Locked On. All right, so let's keep working our way down the roster here. So the running backs, uh, when I first did this 
prediction. I had Dalvin Cook, CJ Ham as the fullback. Then I had Alexander Madison, of course, and Mike Boone. I actually had Mike Boone beating out Amir Abdullah. And I'm not going to make any changes there. Uh, I am going to stick with Mike Boone over Abdullah. Boone has had a really wonderful preseason, and he's been really good in special teams to the point where Mike Zimmer actually called his special teams out. And I think that right there is the key because Abdullah is clearly the best kick returner, but he's also been hurt. And I don't think he's the best running back. That fumble really hurt him because it's such a sore spot for specifically Amir Abdullah's career. Uh, and I think right now Mike Boone is is winning that fight. And the fullback battle got a lot more interesting, right? I didn't actually get around to saying this in yesterday's episode, but I did think that Kari Blossingham had a couple of mistakes that really hurt him because to unseat a veteran fullback, you kind of have to play like the sound veteran football that CJ Ham knows how to play just because of his like institutional knowledge of the Vikings. That said, he's still a heck of an athlete, and we saw that on display against Seattle as well. Uh, you know, that, that check down that ended up going for like 20 yards. I don't think all fullbacks get 20 yards. I think I mean, he looked a lot more like Kyle Juszczyk on that play than C.J. Hammond. Personally, I'd rather have Kyle Juszczyk, so I'm still rooting for him, and, and I still think he 100% has a chance here. I think he's made like one too many mistakes for me to be like confident, confident enough to actually pick him in the race, but he's absolutely the guy that I want to win right now. I think he would be the better option and he just has to play sound enough as as a lead blocker to prove that you know you don't need to keep nice and safe and polished and predictable CJ Ham. So no changes on the running back front. I'm actually going to save the wide receivers for last on the offense and go right to the offensive line where things get really interesting. So you have your your front five, right? By the way, it sounds like uh, Brian O'Neill is coming back from injury soon. Uh, he was in actual pads and doing some other like rehab work on the sideline. Uh, and that's, that's a sign of progress for him. So that's nice. So you have your five starters, Reef, Elfline, Bradbury, Klein, O'Neal. Usually the team keeps nine offensive linemen total. So you have four spots left. So there's a few names that we can pretty easily kind of sort out and say, obviously these guys aren't going to, you know, we're not going to roster Nate Wozniak. I don't think John Kenoy has a path to the roster. I think Storm Norton has has struggled quite a bit. You know, he got some chances with the first team and stuff, but he's not really shown that he deserves to be rostered in the preseason games, at least compared to some of the other options. You have... Aviant Collins, who I uh, really thought would make the team. I think I had him in my first roster prediction, but he's just been so hurt, and I don't think he's going to get any more reps in the preseason. And if you listen to yesterday's, yesterday's episode, you know what I'm going to do at the tackle position, and it's not Aviant Collins. I could actually see him being like waived with an injury settlement or even put on IR to try again next year. And I actually thought that Cornelius Edison has struggled a little bit too, especially in run blocking, which is the thing that he struggles with, and the reason he didn't make the team last year, just despite getting all kinds of opportunities, was his run blocking, and it doesn't look like that's improved either. So that leaves us with Rashad Hill, Drew Samia, Dakota Dozier, Brett Jones, Oli Udo, and Danny Isadora, and we get to roster four of those six. So Isadora has also kind of uh, struggled in the preseason, not as drastically as like Cornelius Edison or some of the like really low guys, uh, but I, I feel like he's made just like one too many mistakes. And honestly, these kind of depth pieces, these late round draft picks, you do kind of see them get churned out all the time. So, you know, cutting Danny Isadora after three years on the team, like that's actually not that bad. And by the time, you know, somebody has is going into their, I think it's Isadora's, what, fourth year uh, on the Vikings, he's 
supposed to start showing more development or it's time to turn him out with a fresher face that maybe shows a little bit more potential. That's what I think Drew Samia is for. Even though I don't think Drew Samia is ready to play at all, I think he's made way too many mistakes in the preseason, and, and if it were just one-to-one, he's been worse than Danny Isadora. Uh, but I think that just on the basis of potential, you can see the flashes of power and ability from Drew Samia and the way that he moves and stuff. He's a good scheme fit and everything like that. So I, I think that Drew Samia is a smarter person to roster. And I don't think that the Vikings are going to be looking for like ready to go right now depth from this particular roster spot because they have Brett Jones and Dakota Dozier who can provide that insurance. So, you know, let's get a project in there and stash Drew Samia. And I, I don't, I think Drew Samia has shown enough ability where I don't think that he makes it through waivers. So you either have to stash him or be okay with losing him. And I'm not okay with losing him right now. So I would roster Drew Samia and cut Danny Isadora. I feel less confident about that than I did the first time I did this, uh, even though I also cut Danny Isadora in the first roster prediction, but I think it's just time. Churn it out with a fresher mid-round pick. Uh, You know, he had a good three-year run here, and it's time for his next chapter. So that leaves us with Rashad Hill. I don't think there's any question that he's making the roster. There was going into the Seattle game, but I think he played well enough to pretty much quash any conspiracy theories there. Uh, I think Oli Udo, you know, listen more to uh, yesterday's episode if you want more on why I think Oli Udo is going to make the roster. But essentially, I mean, he's just had a phenomenal preseason. He's just been burying guys and he's like played his way. He's definitely one of the top nine linemen. And as a drafted rookie, it makes it even easier. You know, you're, you're very excited to accept that and say, look, he made the team. And so that leaves us choosing between Dakota Dozier and Brett Jones. And I think both of these guys have had pretty good preseasons. So this is, you know, cutting a, a good player. You could also try to keep 10 offensive linemen. I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't actually tallied this up yet. So I might end up with room to put in the other guy as well. But I kind of want to choose, assuming that there's nine, who would that 10th guy be? And then we'll go back later. And if we have room, we'll put him back in. But for now, I do want to like make the choice as to if you had to cut one, between Brett Jones and Dakota Dozier, like, let's talk about it. Because Dakota Dozier and Brett Jones both have a lot of versatility. Brett Jones can play any position on the interior. Dakota Dozier can play both left guard and left tackle. I would call that kind of a a wash, although I think the need for... tackle depth, left tackle depth, is a little bit mitigated by having both Rashad Hill and Oli Udo, whereas you kind of definitely need like more interior offensive line depth because your only other backup interior guy is Drew Samia, who's not ready to play. So that's a point in Brett Jones's favor, and I also think that Brett Jones has just been better in the preseason than Dakota Dozier. Dakota Dozier's been good. Like, he has looked like a good, you know, viable backup offensive lineman. I just think that Brett Jones has played better. Uh, he's just been like that much more polished. Dozier's only made one, two, maybe three mistakes. I, you know, I only noticed a couple of mistakes in the Seattle game at least. Uh, and, and I thought that he looked pretty good in the camp that I watched him in. I thought he looked good against the Saints. But I just thought Brett Jones looked just a teeny bit better. So we're going to go with Brett Jones. We'll see about Dakota Dozier later. Like, I want to roster him, and we'll see what happens elsewhere in the skill players. Uh, but for now, I'm going to go with Brett Jones over Dakota Dozier. So let's move on to the pass catchers. And here's what I'm going to do, because there's been a lot of talk about, like, you know, should we do four tight ends or five wide receivers because of the states of both rooms and stuff, and that's one thing. Um, but starting with the tight ends, obviously you have Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. You're not going to cut those guys. Uh, You also have David Morgan, and I don't know what the status is with him, but I haven't, I mean, he's not on IR or anything yet, and we'll see what happens. Maybe he starts on the pup. Maybe something else is weird, but for now, I'm going to operate as though he is going to be healthy, and therefore, he's a lock to make the team uh, on the basis of being David Morgan, so I I just kind of want to, like, pose that challenge, and yeah, if he then is 
on the pup and somebody else gets to make it, then great. But for now, I'm going to act as though he is going to make the roster and be healthy and not, you know, be a, a, an open roster spot. And then we'll kind of move on from there. So then you get the question, right? Do you keep Tyler Conklin or an extra wide receiver? And I think that the pretty clear answer is Tyler Conklin. I think Tyler Conklin has played better throughout camp and throughout uh, the preseason, even though he had that drop against Seattle, I think he's played better than like whoever the sixth wide receiver would be. It would be like Jeff Bidette, who actually left practice uh, yesterday with a lower leg injury, so that's really concerning for him, or like Dylan Mitchell, or like whoever it would be. Tyler Conklin, like I'd pretty much always rather have Conklin on the field than like whoever that guy is, right? But I think a better way to parse all this is to, to look at the tight ends and the wide receivers and say, you get to keep nine from this whole group. So let's kind of count them off, right? You have Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, Irv Smith. I think Chad Beebe is pretty much a lock to make the roster just not based on his play, but based on the fact that he continues to be like the guy who is taking all the first team reps and the, the coaches seem to really like him. And even though I what I have seen in his play hasn't really matched that, I haven't seen much of his play. There's been a lot more sample that the coaches have seen that I haven't. Uh, and I think that's especially true for BB, who just hasn't gotten a lot of reps in the preseason and stuff because of being like lumped in with the starters. Like I just kind of feel like he's he's in, and there isn't a lot that can happen to knock him down this deep into the preseason. So the three wide receivers, and then the two tight ends I already talked about, and David Morgan. That's six. Uh, so then you have three spots left between like Tyler Conklin, who I think rises above honestly all of the wide receivers beyond this point. Uh, so that's seven, and then you have two room enough for two wide receivers, and a third one if David Morgan's on the pup. So we'll kind of like name a, a, a who would the sixth guy be, so that if David Morgan's on the pup, then we've predicted like who that extra dude would be. So I think that Brandon Zilstra has earned his way onto the roster, the way the coaches have talked about him, and they basically said, yeah, we expected him to be really explosive when he got healthy, and then just kind of like vaguely gesture toward the Seattle game where... He did look like explosive and kind of confirmed all of the biases of the coaches. And I, I think the way that that played out really tells me that the coaches are really high on Zilstra and that Zilstra is going to make the team. So then you kind of have a, a battle for that last spot between uh, BC Johnson, who had the good game against the Saints, and Jeff Bidette, who's been a little bit more even keel and has like shown all that speed and shown out as a really good and interesting kick returning option. But he has now suffered his second injury of the of of the summer program here and that is extremely concerning for a guy whose really whole claim to fame is his speed and lower leg injuries can cut into your speed pretty quickly and suddenly you can't run as fast as you used to be able to so I think and I also think that Mike Boone showing out as a potential kick returner has also hurt this whole battle like you can have Mike Boone return the kicks and now suddenly it becomes all about who's the better wide receiver personally I think that BC Johnson is the better one and I think that he has more playmaking ability down these last couple of uh, preseason games. So I'm going to go with BC Johnson and kind of place Bidette to the side. And a huge part of this is that he got injured literally the day that I am recording this and I, and it was a lower leg injury and the second one of the preseason. And that just creates a huge concern about like him losing reps and suddenly losing ground to the rest of the guys. So I don't want to put uh, Cole Hikutini or Brandon Dillon on the roster just yet. They've been fine against the third teamers, but I don't think they've done enough to like ascend into the like, let's roster this guy territory. And that'll do it for the offense. So before I go into the defense real quick, I want to shout out the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Uh, of course, you know, your drafts might be coming up real soon here after the preseason. So make sure you start getting your research in now. You don't want to be caught dead on draft day. Go check out Locked On Fantasy Football. I know I personally will. I'm horrible at fantasy football. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to need their advice as much as anybody 
but yeah, go check them out and uh, don't tell anybody else in your league about them so they can be your little secret. All right, moving on, let's talk about the edge rushers. So this one is kind of shaped out, I think, and is is pretty easy. There is one guy that I do want to set aside and see if I can't get him in later, but I don't think I'll be able to. Uh, so obviously Griffin and Hunter, and then you have Stephen Weatherly, I think has played, is still pretty much comfortably rostered, even though I think that if Fadio Denebo has outplayed him just a touch or at least kept pace with him, uh, Stephen Weatherly is, I mean, they're not going to cut Stephen Weatherly. And then, of course, the fourth guy is going to be Odenebo. I think that Carter Schultz has also played very well, the AAF standout. Uh, and I think he's actually played rosterably well. If he could just shore up the tackling, he's just so close to being like genuinely a good enough defensive lineman uh, to be part of an NFL rotation, but he just has to shore up the tackling. He's so close. I want to put him aside because I do want to keep him on the roster. I don't think I'll be able to, but I kind of want to like see if there's an extra spot. I'm definitely going to consider it. Uh, And then for the defensive tackles, by the way, Linval Joseph returned to full action so he hopefully will get uh, some action against the Cardinals in the third preseason game uh, so you have Joseph you have Shamar Stefan who's still getting first team reps even though he's been kind of in and out with his own injury problems uh, and, you know they're not going to cut him and then you have Hercules Mata'afa I think Zimmer kind of let the cat out of the bag on accident in his presser today where he basically said like yeah we're going to put him in on nickel pass rush downs and he'll be kind of a nickel rusher, you know, and we think that's going to be his role for us this year, uh, if that's his role this year. Like, he had to, like, backtrack and kind of be like, if, I mean, like, if, you know, nothing's certain, but he totally let the cat out of the bag. He's going to roster Hercules Mata'afa, and I think Jalen Holmes has outplayed Hercules Mata'afa. So you got those four right there. And then you have this weird battle for the backup nose tackle position that Armin Watts is kind of, you know, creeping up on, on Jaleel Johnson's heels a little bit. I think there's just a little bit too much ground between the two just from the get-go. I think that, you know, the sixth-round pick that was, you know, ranked, like, as the sixth defensive tackle just had to make up a little bit too much ground for me to be comfortable being like, yeah, he's going to get rostered for sure. So I'm still going to pick Jaleel Johnson to win the battle, but let me tell you, I'm not confident in it because he could make up that ground. He's got a lot of a lot of ground to cover, but he totally could cover it if he has a couple more good preseason games and if Jaleel Johnson continues to struggle. Kind of the same thing as Danny Isadora, you know? Like, it, like cycle these, these rotational guys out with young, fresh faces that have more potential. Because Jaleel Johnson, at this point, you can't really expect him to develop uh, that much further. He's going into his third year in the league. So expecting him to develop any further is going to be like a much less sound idea than expecting Armin Watts to develop further, somebody who only really has one year of college starting experience. So if anything, he's got a lot of room to grow and he's already challenging Jaleel Johnson. So I I think Armin Watts is like a, a better result. If it ends up being Armin Watts, I'll be happier than if it ends up being Jaleel Johnson. But in terms of trying to predict what happens, I think that they are just going to give too much respect to the incumbent Jaleel Johnson, but 100% putting Armin Watts on the practice squad. And of course, because I know somebody always says, I uh, don't worry uh, in these predictions about like, are they going to get, you know, picked up on waivers or whatever? There's nothing you can really do about that. If he doesn't make the team, he doesn't make the team. Try to stash him. If it happens, it happens. It's rarer than you think. I know it's happened a couple times to Vikings draft picks in the past. Part of that's because they have like 12 draft picks a year. So like, you know, that kind of ups the odds. Uh, But because to poach off of somebody's practice squad, you have to give up your own roster spot on your own 53. You have to give up somebody that you rostered for somebody else's scraps that they didn't. It'd be like the Vikings cutting like Drew Samia or Oli Udo for a guy, for an offensive lineman that couldn't even make 
whatever team that they poached him from. So it's it's a difficult logic to kind of, a, a, diff- a difficult calculus to justify. Moving on to the linebackers, this is the one that is like really, really difficult to me. Uh, obviously you have Barr, Kendricks, Eric Wilson, Ben Gedeon. Ben Gedeon might be a surprise cut. He has not looked that good. I don't know. I and and I feel like the depth of the linebackers has has been praised before. Like they have enough bodies where like you know you don't have to keep Ben Gedeon like you did last year because it was either that or roster like Mike Needham or something. But I'm not gonna like predict that. I'm just kind of I don't know thinking out loud that like eh, maybe it kind of would be like if if I had to call like a surprise cut maybe it's him. Uh, but uh, I'm going to put him in the roster thing definitely uh, for this particular exercise. And then that usually leaves us two spots left. They usually keep six linebackers. Sometimes they've done seven if there's an extra special teamer, and we'll get to that. Uh, but for now, that gives us two between Devontae Downs, Cameron Smith, uh, Greer Martini, Richard Cliet, and Kentrell Brothers. So I mentioned this in the deep dive of yesterday, but I thought Richard Cliet actually struggled more in special teams than I initially thought on the first watch of the game, on the live watch of the game. Uh, so I'm going to keep him off to the side for now. I, I think that Richard Cliet has shown a lot of ability, uh, but I don't think he's top two in this group right now, and special teams is a big part of that. I think Kentrell Brothers is making the team, which I did not have in my initial roster prediction. I actually think he's played well enough in this preseason. He had a horrible preseason last year, and he's definitely pulled it back together. I think he's been a lot more active all over the field. He's been good in special teams. He's even had like a couple of really impressive disruptions, and I think he's had a really nice time. Uh, and then it's between Cam Smith, Greer Martini, and Devontae Downs. Greer Martini hasn't really shown up at all. I can pretty safely sort him out. So let's go between Downs and Cameron Smith. I don't think Cameron Smith is ready quite yet. He's looked very raw. He has he has looked out of place very often. And Devontae Downs has very quietly had a nice preseason. So I'm going to roster Devontae Downs and Kentrell Brothers out of this group. And I will tell you right now that I do not feel confident in much of that at all. I, this group could go a number of directions, and I don't feel good about any of them. But for now, I'll go with Downs and Brothers. And now, oh God, we have to talk about the cornerbacks. Okay, so we can obviously sort out uh, the few of them. I think six cornerbacks is like the magic number. Uh, It's been five in the past, but that was kind of, it it was often like five and then the Marcus Sherrills, he's just a punt returner spot. I don't think he was just a punt returner. I think they actually did feel pretty good about him as cornerback depth, especially later in his career when he had a lot of veteran experience and he knew the schemes all very well. But there is no Marcus Sherrills now, and there's also like a real, real huge drop-off at the bottom of the cornerback roster, and Mike Zimmer's even called this out. So we can obviously sort out the easy ones. Waynes, Rhodes, and Alexander, that's three. Mike Hughes, I think, will start on the physically unable to perform list, but who knows? I mean, he could come back like two seconds before it and then, you know, miss like a couple of games and not actually be on the official pup. So, but I'm, I'm going to predict him on the pup just because I think it makes for a more interesting exercise, but this isn't like me reporting. I don't know anything about his injury. So it, you know, we, I just, my guess is as good as yours. I just have to wait and see. Obviously Holton Hill will be on the roster just because they need him. And I actually think he is like one of the five best corners on this team, but they won't get him initially. So that'll be another open roster spot. So sort those guys away. And then you have at least two, maybe three spots uh, for guys like Benet Ben Wickery, who they picked up specifically to be veteran depth, so I'm going to have him on the roster, even though I think he's been outplayed by the likes of, like, Craig James. Uh, Duke Thomas has had a god-awful preseason. He's been beat a whole lot. I don't think he's making the roster. Uh, Nate Midors has had a pretty bad training camp and a pretty quiet preseason. Uh, it's really hard for me to evaluate these corners in the preseason, though, because I don't often know what the coverage is and because the broadcast angle doesn't show what the coverage is, so it's it's really hard to know like whose fault was what, but 
I'm going off more off of training camp where Nate Mudor's had a really, really tough time. He got dusted by Laquan Treadwell all the time. I actually think even though Craig James has been on the uh, bottom of of the roster and he's come in like late in the fourth quarter and stuff, he's played really well and I actually think he's played almost rosterably well. Not rosterably for the whole year, but rosterably still say Mike Hughes comes back. Uh, so I'm going to put Craig, Craig James on the roster for now. And the other guy that I'm going to put on the roster for now is Chris Boyd, even though... So Chris Boyd is so weird. I, I think he's been hurt, but there's a chance that he is healthy because he was cleared to practice and he did like do full practice. Uh, but then he didn't play at all in the Seahawks game when guys like, you know, Midors and Craig James and, you know, even like Holton Hill got ejected and Boyd still didn't get in the game. And Arif Hassan called this out and he also has been observing at camp that Chris Boyd has gotten an earful from Zimmer like very often. And maybe Chris Boyd is just like struggling a lot and is at the bottom of the cornerback depth chart. But I don't know if that is actually the case or if that's Mike Zimmer really just trying to coach the guy up because he's a rookie and he's drafted and all that stuff. And I think that, you know, they were kind of being very cautious with injury stuff in that game. And, you know, it's the first game on the new turf, so they didn't put Dalvin Cook out there. They didn't put Shamar Stefan out there, even though Stefan had been practicing. So if Chris Boyd is also on that list, like, I could absolutely see that happening. So I'm also going to roster Chris Boyd, at least for the time being. And then finally, with the safeties, uh, I actually have room for five safeties from my last roster prediction, and that's the number that I had there, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, obviously you have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, Jaron Curse isn't a question at all. And then you have Darren Smith, Marcus Epps, and maybe Isaiah Wharton. Like he was, or Nate Medors, I think also has played a little bit of safety. I don't think either of those guys are making it though. So, uh, I had Darren Smith. I think Darren Smith has played fairly soundly. He's been involved in enough plays for me to not really feel like I have to change that up. Marcus Epps had a really embarrassing day against Seattle, but I also don't, I think he's had enough good plays in practice and, and he's shown a little bit of consistency that, like, the plays against Seattle don't bug me that much. Also, the plays against Seattle weren't, like, really indicators of safety playing ability. Like, he couldn't corral a fumble. That looks really bad, and it really stinks, because it could have been a really great play for him, but it's not like he was misdiagnosing plays. It's not like a problem you need to fix. You need to, you know, you gotta be able to pick up fumbles better. You can't make this team. No, he was, like, in the right spot. He's been in the right spot before. He had a really embarrassing tackle whiff, but he was, like, in the right place. Like, I think there's more good to his game than meets the eye, so I'm still going to roster him. But what what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut him when Holton Hill comes back because also uh, Marcus Epps and J. Ron Kurse can be backup cornerback depth when you know if somebody goes down you don't have to then rely on like Craig James or Chris Boyd who we don't know anything about I'd rather put like J. Ron Kurse on the field more often and just kind of play it that way so I think it helps with your issues in, in corner depth to keep a couple more safeties you have extra D-backs and then uh, you know when like Hill and Hughes come back then you can kind of like go back to a more normal configuration. And then, of course, the specialists. Obviously, I had this wrong because there has been a name added to the whole thing. Uh, I, I think I said that they would practice squad Austin Cutting. Uh, I, we didn't know anything about when I did the exercise the first time. I didn't know about how his military status was going to shake out. So I was like, it's safe to go with McDermott. But I honestly have no idea. Obviously, now it's Austin Cutting. That's easy. Uh, I don't foresee them cutting Kari Vedvik. They just paid a, a draft pick for him. And they have been very hesitant to, to cut drafted specialists in the past, even though they've been losing camp battles. I thought Daniel Carlson lost his battle to Kai Forbath. Uh, but Carlson won that battle. I thought that Cutting was losing his battle to Kevin McDermott, but we know how that turned out, and I don't think that this is going to change with Kari Vedvik. So it's a matter of, does Dan Bailey or Matt Weil get cut? 
I actually thought that Kari Vedvik struggled a little bit as a punter. He outkicked the coverage a couple times. It was way too long and way too short. He needs more hang time on them. And if they can get him to do that, he'll do it. Uh, but I also know that, like, Mike Zimmer has stood up for Dan Bailey a lot and says, like, it's not Bailey's fault. We think Bailey's a good kicker. There's been a lot of issues elsewhere in the thing. And Kari Vedvik has struggled as a kicker now as in camp. I think he's he's missed, like, three already. He's only had, like, kicked live reps for two practices. So we'll see how it all plays out in the preseason. For now, I'm going to tentatively say, hey, he beats the punter. So we'll go with, with Bailey, Vedvik, and Austin Cutting, which is uh, far different from what the group looked like this time last year. In fact, entirely different. Not a single person was even on the roster or an afterthought. So that's it. That's the 53-man roster prediction. Uh, There's also the practice squad to go over, so real quick with that. So I've alluded to a couple of these, but first, uh, Jake Browning, I think, makes the practice squad, especially with Kyle Slaughter kind of not turning out. They're always going to want, like, that extra little project. I have Kari Blassingham, who is going to take another crack in 2020 at CJ Ham, even though I have him losing it this time. I think uh, pretty much every draft pick that I have not making the team uh, I'm putting on the practice squad just by default so that's Dylan Mitchell I also think Jeff Bidette will be able to put another year in on the practice squad and be able to take a third crack at it uh, in 2020 I have Cornelius Edison making the practice squad again just by virtue of being the guy that was there before and honestly nobody else on on the uh, the cuts list of the offensive line really screams like practice squad guy to me. I still think Cornelius Edison could be an excellent depth lineman if he could just figure out how to run block in the second level, which is something that I think you maybe can teach him if you gave him another shot. Like, probably not, but I I still think that there is some potential there. Um, I'm also putting Nate Wozniak there just on the basis of him being so raw. He was a tight end all the way until the pros and they definitely see the athletic ability in him, uh, and, and another year of NFL coaching could do him wonders. I'm putting Armin Watts basically by default. I, I couldn't quite get him in. I really wanted to get him in, but I couldn't quite get him in. Uh, we just needed a little bit too much extra depth in the secondary because of the issues there for me to be able to cut anybody like Darren Smith or Marcus Epps. But if Darren Smith were cut and Armin Watts were in, I actually wouldn't hate that. Uh, but I just felt like you just need a little bit of the extra secondary depth. Uh, I'm putting Adea Runa in the practice squad and Carter Schultz. Again, I don't think Carter Schultz makes it to the practice squad, but I'm not really counting that as part of this exercise. Uh, so if he gets snapped up, it'll be somebody else, but I'm not going through like predicting all that. Uh, and of course, Adea Runa, just because he was a draft pick last year, and if he could just have a healthy preseason, I actually think he has a shot to crack a roster. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to just take another shot at that because he's just been stuck out and on the bench for this whole time. Uh, he might end up actually going on IR instead. That's what they did with him last year, although that's kind of a shady thing that you can do because if they're, if you do try to put Adea Runa on IR and he ends up being like medically cleared to play before the eight weeks of IR is up, he actually can, uh, like, not sue, but you could. He can actually like force a, a waived injured thing. This is a very similar rule to the thing that happened with Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago that everybody was up in arms about. And then I'm also putting uh, Richard Cliet on the practice squad. That's your tenth member. I think he's definitely earned another sh- crack at the roster in 2020. So a lot of the practice squad stuff is either you're just too raw right now, take another shot next year or somebody that is just close enough to the roster where if somebody in that position group gets hurt and you want to elevate him, you would really not feel like your depth took much of a hit. I feel like that about like Armin Watts or like Kari Blassingham. So that is the roster prediction. Holy crap, I went way over time. I think this is the longest show that I've ever done on this. I'm usually pretty good about keeping it under 30 minutes. So my apologies for taking up a little bit extra of your time, but I did want to go deep on this. Uh, Tomorrow we are going to be previewing the Cardinals game. That'll be the last time we talk before the third preseason game. We'll talk 
talk all about that. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And if you don't like any of those services, you can always ask your smart device to play podcasts Locked On Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow for a Vikings Cardinals preview. And as always, Skull!